Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Josh Felber from Making Bank. If you want to learn how to produce world-class relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chapel, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I am super excited to sit down with my buddy, Josh Felber. Josh is a podcast personality, Emmy Award winner, Inc. 5000 winner, best-selling author, contributor to Forbes, loving husband, father of three, serial entrepreneur, TV producer, featured in television and movies, and more. This guy is the definition of a tried and tested entrepreneur, guys. And this is going to be a really awesome episode. Can't wait to get into it. Love when I talk to awesome entrepreneurs, but uh, it's even better when those awesome entrepreneurs have awesome podcasts because that's a huge connection point for us. So can't wait to get in this conversation with Josh. But first, really quickly, if you are a six or seven figure entrepreneur and you know how awesome a podcast could be into your business plan, you know the impact that it could make, the credibility, the authority that it can drive, and uh, you just don't have the time or the team or resources to dedicate to figuring all of the back end nonsense out, then have me and my team build that for you. Head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. There's a quick application there. We'll jump on a phone call to see if it would be a good fit for my team to build that show for you. That way you can focus on what you're good at, which is servicing your clients. We can focus on what we're good at, which is building world-class podcasts. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. Josh, what's up, brother? Thanks so much for joining me on the show. For sure, Travis. Just an honor to be here and uh, excited to dive in and 
see what we can uh, uncover for your audience, man. Yes, sir. Happy to have you. So let's go ahead and take it back, man. The very first thing I always like to do is build some context for everybody listening and uh, talk to us about who Josh Felber is. Let's take it back. I'm talking like 12-year-old, 13-year-old Josh, you know, family life, parents, school, academics, sports. What were you up to back then? Yeah, no, definitely. That's a great question. So I, I mean, just normal, average, middle-class family, great parents, brothers and sister and stuff. I was the oldest. What, started, what did your parents do? Mom, so it was a stay-at-home mom. My dad, he was more kind of on the technical side. So he would fix hospital equipment that went down, things like that. He worked for Bayer and okay. then the company he was bought for was bought by Bayer at some point. So yeah, but that whole kind of thing. I'm kind of out in the middle of nowhere in Ohio here. I grew up and kind of, I think always had that entrepreneurial nature in me. Just started out just normal, would help mow people's grasses or go around. I lived far enough out so people had farms. So I would help people bale hay and all those kind of things and to generate revenue and got into computers when I was a kid. Back then it was like the Commodore 64 and my uh, uh, Commodore came out with this real high tech, super cool computer called the Amiga. And back then it was, I think it was like 800 bucks and it was like the super graphics thing. So kind of like what video games look like now, that was kind of like a computer back in the day. And I was like, man, I got to figure, there's a better way. I know I can buy this. And just in my head, I was like, okay, there's gotta be a better way. And right around that same time, I was 14 and had read, um, Think and Grow Rich and by Napoleon Hill and Tony Robbins Unlimited Power and Awaken the Giant and stuff. You read these when you were 14? Yeah. yeah. Did, and so, any, any outside prompting for that? Or is that just totally no, something just, inside of you? I think I remember seeing something about Tony Robbins. and then That's crazy, man. Asked my parents to get me the books. and Yeah. I mean, it definitely tells what you were thinking about when you were 14 <laughs> versus what most 14-year-olds are thinking about. Were you a reader outside of that type of material? or I, was it I was. Yeah. I mean, I read a ton. It's like my, I, my daughter now reads all the time. Like I bought her like six books the other day and they were finished in like three days. And (laughs) these are like books that are like that thick. Is there something do you think you can do as a, this is a totally selfish question for me as a parent? Because look, man, I I read a lot now and I I consume a ton of content now. I I think that if you are a content creator, you should be a content consumer. That's just my personal opinion. But when I was growing up, I absolutely hated reading, man. Like my parents tried to do everything under the sun to try to get me to read stuff. And like, it wasn't that I didn't enjoy academics. Like I enjoyed math sure. and stuff like that. But reading was just, man, I, I, I never, I never really enjoyed it until, until I hit like 22, 23. And I started, I, I think for me, it was just starting to read stuff that I actually really wanted to learn about. I think that was definitely part of it where instead of just reading books that they were like, oh, this was probably a good book. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was just like, well, now I'm reading stuff that I actually care about and, and, and stuff like that. Is there something that you think you do as a parent to help cultivate that? Or do you think that you were just kind of like that was bred inside of you and same thing with your daughter? For me, I mean, it wasn't like encouraged. Like my parents were like, oh, you have to read or anything like that. It was just, I think I found stuff that I liked. And it actually was kind of funny because most of the books that I read that I enjoyed were all like um, spec ops. And like, I think, uh, I think one of my favorite books back then was like Mac Bolin. It was like kind of the, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it was kind yeah. of that uh, spec op guy, you know, military now, you know, and like all this stuff. And yeah. <laughs> there was I know, a whole series of the ones I read back to Hardy Boys and different things. And I do so, remember Hardy Boys. That's for sure. Yeah. So <laughs> it's the boy version of Nancy Drew. So I thought, right, awesome. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so those are always fun. And then I kind of started getting into the business books around that time, I guess, personal development more as an interest and loved learning to kind of about the whole NLP and things like that and unlimited power and stuff. And 
and everything. And so that kind of got me kind of that, that spark and, and everything. So, so my first real business, I got set up as the first Commodore Amiga dealer in my area and bought myself one. And then I had friends who were like, oh, hey, you know, I'd love to get one. Oh, hey, I, I get you a discount on it. And so then I started selling those and I would go to different computer users groups in the area. And then back then I was selling stuff like floppy disks, those the disks yeah. and all that stuff back in the day. And yeah. uh, hard like hard drives. I think like when a megabyte was like the biggest <laughs> hard drive <laughs> at that time. Not not a gig or whatever they are now, a yeah. gigabyte that you can Freaking get on a terabyte, <laughs> yeah. A phone and stuff. It's so, crazy. Awesome, man. So, okay. So you obviously very entrepreneurial, something built inside of you doesn't seem like it was very much of like your culture that made you that way at all. Coming into high school with that in mind, what were your goals after school? Was it always just entrepreneurial? I know a lot of middle-class families obviously push the school um, and like school is the path to freedom and success type of a thing. What was your plan leaving high school? Sure. I mean, for me, yeah, I knew, yeah, I wanted to be an entrepreneur from that standpoint. I didn't know what focus, you know, what area I wanted to go into. And during school, I was fortunate that my school had like an economics class and then also had an investment class and had an awesome teacher running our investment class. And so interesting. I was able to, uh, so I learned how to invest stocks and options and things like that. And at that time, back in the day, there was um, AT&T and USA Today had this stock market contest and they would give you like a fake $200,000 and then you could grow it over, I think it was 90 days. And so there was like 20 something thousand people that were in this contest and I was in it my junior and senior year. And both the first year I was in it, I ended up getting, I think it was first place out of like all 22,000 people. And then the year after I was like fifth place or something, but you were able to trade stocks and trade options and all different things. And um, I built a 200,000 into almost a $2 million portfolio in 90 days. And, um, and then got rid of all the newspapers and like, all this <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was fun. So at first I was kind of like, okay, cool. Maybe I want to be a stock investment trader or stuff like yeah, that. Right. And when I initially went off to college, cause I was, I was like, oh, okay, got to go do that. I was like, all right, I got to get a job doing something. And I started working for a company selling back then. This was the very first credit card terminals that were electronic. So you would swipe it and then it would capture it and that kind of thing. Um, so, and these were the first ones that were really getting put into the marketplace. And, and, you, and you were selling uh, these to merchants. So, you, so you're merch, selling yeah, so businesses that needed, yeah, way before internet, everything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I started working for them and in about four months was like the top salesman of the company. They had like a hundred something offices. And so they invited me to start opening up offices for them, but I had to go down to Louisiana. So I moved down to Louisiana, ended up opening and running five offices for them. Knew I could do this on my myself, so I left. And Dallas, which was I always enjoyed the Dallas Cowboys were my favorite football team growing up, and so yeah. And Cowboys. so then I was like, all right, Dallas is right there. I'm moving to Dallas. That's where I'm going to start the business. And so started my first big, I guess, big company. It turned into merchant service, a merchant services company, um, where we grew it to over twenty five thousand plus customers and wow. everything over five and a half years, and then sold that company. So. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. That was your first successful venture, quote unquote successful. Yeah. Like yeah, big, yeah. like big, like real money successful venture. Good. Yeah. Good. good yeah. That was a good kind of kickoff kind of a thing. And then, yeah. And that was early 20s. Uh, yeah. Early. Yeah. Early 20s. So, yep. Awesome. I'm curious to hear your advice on this, Josh. What I'd like to do is have awesome stories like the one you just told and then kind of figure out how we can apply that to people listening. And this conversation is one that I've had with a lot of people about what do you do if you're wanting to be entrepreneur or in business out of high school? Is it worth getting in debt to go to college? Does it matter what type of college that I go to? If I don't go to college, what should I be doing? Is there a certain skill set I should be working to perfect? Like, How do I make the most of the time from you know 18 years old to 25 years old? Because I feel like that period of time is a time that a lot of people just flush down the toilet instead of using it as a way to catapult themselves into a level of their career that will allow them to live the life that they want to live. No, definitely a great question. And, you know, I can kind of, kind of talk about two different points with it. You know, there's a whole thing, okay, cool. Maybe you want to go to college and go do that. And that's great. But while you're there, instead of just goofing off and screwing off, I mean, put yourself in a position to learn, go learn from somebody. So if there's a certain field you want to be in, go be an intern and work for free if you have to and learn from those people that while you're there in school, you're in school learning anyways take and, you know, go do that, spend all your extra time, you know, instead of having the whole college kind of life thing, who really gives a crap about that, you know, go learn and put yourself in a position of learning from somebody that you can extract and utilize that information. And you may find out like, Oh, man, I don't want to head down that that sucks. I don't want to yeah, do that, right. you know, and go a whole nother direction. The other side of it is, if you don't head that way, I mean, like right now, we're we homeschool our kids. And so We've been doing that way before all this stuff going on, you know, so we create the curriculum for them and it's like, okay, what areas do we want them to learn to maximize what they can do later, whether they want to be an entrepreneur, whether they, my daughter wants to be a veterinarian, whatever that is, you know, what can we learn right now? And, you know, and so they're learning, you know, how, you know, one, how to market. doesn't matter what you do. If you can learn how to sell and market 
it's going to help you all over. So they're taking marketing, you know, marketing classes through Russell Brunson and Dean Graciosi and, you know, a lot of these people. They're learning entrepreneurial. They've gone through entrepreneur courses. So, you know, the Kidpreneur course from um, Matt. Oh, yeah. Caleb Maddox. Yeah. yeah uh, not, not Caleb Maddox. Uh, Matt Torin and... Um, the brothers, <laughs> like totally blank for a second. It's called Kidpreneur, though. Is the uh, okay? Is the gotcha, course in gotcha. the book and stuff. Um, but Matthew Torin and his brother, <laughs> that I'm drawing a blank on. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> like a four language stuff, they're learning coding. That they're learning. They're taking the E Myth Entrepreneur course. Nice. You know, so they're doing all of these things. And they're learning. And then they're also taking and doing practical. So my daughter started a company called Paleo Pets. So she makes all natural pet care products. Super cool. My boys wanted to start a business. Okay. And I was like, hey guys, figure out a business that you can start and do without having inventory, without having employees, without having to do, you know, that side of it where all you have to do is just market it and drive, you know, attention to your product. So they created a t-shirt brand called um, Gratitude Gear. So they take awesome. gratitude quotes that they came up with, put them on t-shirts with a cool design and they're super soft and comfortable and, you know, and they sell those. And so putting these different things in place for them now, gives them those different skill sets and things to learn. So as they get older and get in middle school and high school and stuff like that, they're already going to have a foundation, you know, and then Grant Cardone for sales, they learn. So you know, they're already going to have that foundation of something. So whatever direction that they had, whether it's working for somebody, whether it's doctor, lawyer, veterinarian, uh, whether it's entrepreneur, whatever that may be, they already have that set foundation, you know, for them. Yeah. So I think the biggest takeaway for me and all of that, man, is go do stuff. You're not going to know what you're going to do the rest of your life, probably when you're 20. There's so, so few <laughs> people, sure. so few people <laughs> that know exactly what they want to do when they're 20 years old. So to what Josh is saying, like he's having his kids go do stuff. If you're in college, go do other stuff, like get your hands dirty and get in the field that you're heading toward and see if it's something that you actually even want to do. That's what happened to me, man. Like I, I was in, um, I don't know how much you know about my background, but I grew up in a very small all strict kind of religious community bubble type of a culture. And okay. uh, so like I, my whole thing was I was going to be in ministry. And that's what I have my bachelor's degree in Bible and church ministries, double major in Bible and church ministries. And I was interning every weekend of my junior year at a church. And I realized that I didn't like it at all. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> wait a second, why am I going to be doing something for the rest of my life that I don't enjoy doing? Like this, is, this, sure. seems, this seems ridiculous, you know, but nobody ever told me that kind of stuff. And so I graduated with my useless degree and then just went into sales, <laughs> you know? So right, yeah. um, I to totally, totally agree. I think the college experience is mainly for the extra stuff that comes with that. That's why I try to tell people like, if you're going to go to school, go to a school that's actually worth going to because the degree itself doesn't mean much. The experience means something. The relationships with professors mm -hmm. that can introduce you to people that yep. can help you with your career, that means something. Going to a school with a bunch of kids whose parents are wealthy business owners, like that could mean something because you're building a network of solid individuals who can, you know, put you on to multiple steps in your career path going forward. Like that could mean something. The actual degree itself, again, unless it's from one of those prestigious universities or higher level places, like that's not going to be enough. And what you're talking about, Josh, like all of the stuff that you're making your kids do, that's just a leg up on everybody else. If you want different results, then you have to put in different type of work. And that's exactly what, what your kids are going through right now. So I really appreciate that. Let's get back a little bit more into your story now. So have a successful exit of a good solid company. I know the multiples on companies like that have to be really good in the merchant field. And uh, so you have a really successful exit, pretty young. What are the next steps for you after that? Did you take some time off? Did you take some time to enjoy what you just did? Or were you immediately like, I got another idea? 
<laughs> yeah. So, well, I, right at that time, I ended up moving back to Ohio and a friend of mine had a merchant services company. And so right around then, let's see, middle of 97, the internet was kind of, you know, there was stuff kind of happening on the internet and things like that. And so I was like, I had the idea when I went to him, I was like, hey, let's, you know, what if we start building websites on the internet that can take payments? And I had another guy that I had connected with when I had the merchant services company that was building out. So at that time, there was only like authorized net and it was really bad. They'd been hacked a lot and a lot of issues. And so my friend built out a company called Skipjack Merchant Services. And it was like, I don't know, some security 256 to the 52nd, whatever power of encryption or something crazy. Yeah. So it was super secure. Let's just put it that way. And so we took his backend platform and then we started bringing on web developers where we had a code, hard code stuff, not like a click funnels where you just drag and drop, but actually code the websites and code mm. this stuff in and, and, and did all that. And so we started creating the first payment processing online, 98, 99, kind of 2000 range with electronic merchant services and stuff. So I didn't own it, but you know, I worked for them building out kind of that inside part of that whole brand and everything. Right around that time, I don't know. See, I've owned like 15 companies though since I was 14. So there was, I started another smaller company doing sports car performance right around that time, right yeah. before Fast and Furious craze happened. Oh, nice. Um, Good timing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and we were like, we were probably a year early. And, okay. then, and then the partner that I had with it, he was more the technical car fix it person. He was moving or something. So we ended up shutting it down. And like six months later, Fast and Furious came out. And like that whole uh, side, side of things blew up. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's the timing thing. You know, it was a little, a little early. And if you stick with it, maybe a little longer, it would have yeah, right, um, right. rocketed off. But And then uh, around 2003, I think it was, we started a company. I had two other guys that I met. And they had started a company called uh, Slim Mints. So these were little Altoids that were that had natural weight loss ingredients in it. And so I came on board as a minority partner. And my job was the sales and getting them into retail stores. Never had done that before. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I got to figure this out. And then literally, like it was like cold calling nonstop for 12 months straight on people from Walmart to Rite Aid to Walgreens to 7-Eleven. Finally, we got like our first appointment after a year. And then it kind of all started to snowball. And then when we sold the company in 2000, end of 2005 to Irwin Naturals, we had got it in over 40,000 plus doors um, <laughs> worldwide and uh, every so, major retail chain. So give me again the timeline on uh, how long you were doing cold calls before you had people start calling you back. So a minimum of a year it was, I can tell you that for sure, because <laughs> I was the one doing it. <laughs> again, again, another huge lesson here. There's so many people that have ideas that are probably good ideas that just give up so soon. They just give up mm-hmm. with the, the smallest amount of test data, right? Like they call through 10 and they're like, nobody said yes, this must be a bad idea. you know. Right. And then they go back to their nine to five or whatever. At what point do you think that it's right to start thinking that way? Because there is a point, right? Like sometimes an idea just isn't good and the market just isn't ready to accept it, right? So when is that point? Do you see that having a point? Or do you think like persistence, enough hard work and like enough uh, working on the sales pitch and the technique that it's going to work at some point? Obviously, if you have a sucky product, it's probably going to be a lot harder. I mean, we knew the product was proven from this direct to consumer standpoint because we had a website and we were selling them off the website. 
and we built a demand initially that way. But I mean, it's interesting because I would go fly to go meet with people. Sometimes they set up an appointment, everything, and you go fly to meet in with them. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, they're not in today. I'm like, wait a minute. They physically sent me an email saying to meet them at this time. I mean, obviously it was a blow off thing. Yeah, and, right. You know, I paid for a flight. You know, we flew down there, drove, rented a car, drove to. Yeah, you're getting excited about the prospect it's, of a big deal. Yeah, and then they so, know. And sure. some of these were in big towns. It took a little bit to get to and stuff yeah. and, and everything. So, no, I mean, one of the biggest things for me, and it always stemmed back from when I was a kid, is I never ever had that fear factor. Like I never went into a business like, oh is this going to work? What about this? What happens with this, this, and this? And like, is it going to fail? Like when I was doing the cold calling and the sales, I didn't sit there and think like, oh man, am I not going to succeed? Is, am I not going to get the sales, you know, and everything? Yeah. And most of what I was getting paid was based off of sales. So, you know, it wasn't like I was, had tons of money, like making it just by <laughs> hanging yeah. out and trying to get sales calls. Right. So being relentless, continued persistence and drive, you know, and then you just have to sit there and figure out what's working, what's not working. When you say something, why didn't they buy? You know, when, you know, when you do this, why are they, you know, why this? And, you know, analyze until you actually start, oh, wait, oh, wait, they said yes. Mm, yeah. <laughs> what did right. I just say? What did I say different? You know? Yeah. And then yeah. It, it just takes that first one. And then literally, once we had that first one, it was like the next 12 months was just next one after next one after next one after next wow. one. And, so at what point along the timeline do you start Primal Life? Well, so my wife, so I, I owned um, a bunch of CrossFit gyms back, I started in 2010 and they had like three different CrossFit gyms out there. And during that time, we got into like paleo and on health and all this kind of stuff. But in 2000, let's see, 2008, our daughter was born. Initially, my wife had gotten pregnant right after we got back from Fiji, from getting married and everything. And then we lost the baby a few, like a few months later. And then she was like, why, you know, we were eating healthy, we were healthy, but then she started looking at all of her skincare and makeup and the levels of toxic ingredients and crap and junk in them. So she's like, all right, I'm going to start basically back at scratch. And she's like, she's like, olive oil, you know, is good for your skin. And she's a nurse and a nurse anesthetist and kind of okay. like starts to figure out formulations and stuff. But so she started just using olive oil and like her skin cleared up right away, <laughs> like by huh. not using any toxic junk yeah, uh, right. makeup and skincare. So she started figuring this stuff out and then we got pregnant again and our daughter was born that next summer in 08. And I was like, oh wait, can you make baby care products? Because we go look at them, they say organic, but then they still have other crap in them. So mm. she started making all these baby care products. And one day she was like, hey, maybe I should just sell this stuff on Etsy. And I was like, oh wait, what? And so <laughs> I was like, well, you know, let's get a website. Let's go yeah, do this. Let's right. go do this. And so we got that all up and running. And the first company we had launched was a company called Olives Organics Botanicals. And it was just products based on olive oil and like, like other ingredients and natural essential oils and stuff like that for skincare. And it did okay. Then in 2010, I opened the CrossFit gyms up and our boys were born. And then she started looking and she's like, I wonder if there's any paleo skincare out there. And there was nothing out there. Um, there was a, one person on a blog talking about like using coconut oil and stuff like that. And so we were checking the search terms and it was starting to trend up. So at the end of 2011, like, well, all of our products kind of match up from healthy, raw, no crap in them, all that kind of that paleo thing. And so we relaunched it under a new brand in 2012 called Primal Life Organics. And then we hashtagged like paleo skincare. And then it just blew up. Like literally the first six months we did more sales in the first six months than we did in 
whatever what 2009 through 2012 so in three years we do in six months so and it just doubled and doubled and doubled and it's grown really awesome we're moving into retail this year um, we just brought on an advisory board we have dave asprey who sits on our advisory board now another guy named um, jim morrison who's the ex-president of l'oreal and two other guys uh chris dr chris zanio um the top yeah. uh yeah chiropractor, uh, chiropractor yeah. in the united mm-hmm. states and then another guy named charlie mcmahon which 25 years in the CPG space was with Walmart and Nabisco and everything else. So we got one other guy I can't mention that's super close that everybody knows too. So, so that's our advisory board. And, you know, we're just making a big push to try to help as many people as we can. And we make everything right here in Akron, Ohio, and um, we ship it from here in Ohio and our marketing teams here and nice everything. So we have about 20 employees roughly. That's really awesome, man. I love hearing the stories. I got to ask you a few questions about networking because this is build your network. And clearly it's something that's a value to you or you wouldn't bring on people as advisors in your company and uh, just in exchange for some knowledge and information that you may or may not have. So curious to hear you answer this question. This is the one that I ask every single guest that's ever come on the show. Who you know or what you know, Josh, which of those two is more important and why? For me, it's it's who you know. I mean, that's I've built a significant network over the years and you know, been fortunate to do that. So what is one of the biggest tools that you've used to grow your own network over the last few years? Man, good question. For me, it's always been trying to create value for others. You know, I always usually try to do that and not with an intention like, oh, hey, you know, I want this person to help me with something or whatever. Sure. You mean just like the people I just named on our board. I mean, it was creating and working, knowing these people for years and years. I mean, I met Dave back in, I think it was 2014 or 15. Wow. And, you know, we connected and we stayed in contact over the years. And I mean, you know, we've, we've been around Bulletproof and Bulletproof's audience as our audiences and stuff like that. You know, we've always stayed in close contact. And, and then, I don't know, a few, I don't know, back in January, we were having our kind of our initial kickoff yearly meeting. And I was like, okay, who could be a great board you'd imagine? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, Bulletproof customers are our customers. And, you know, Dave's created this massive brand and company and everything else over the years. And so, you know, in the CPG space and all that, so he would be a great person. And, you know, and then we got connected, you know, through Charlie a few years before that. And, and then he connected us to Jim and Dr. Z. I've known him for probably three or four years and stuff as well, too. And, you know, I've always kind of reached out to them and tried to help them as much as I can over the years. And yeah. and then, you know, they're always, oh, what do you need? And I'm, I'm the type of person like, you know, I really don't have anything right now, but I'll hold that question <laughs> and that opportunity for down the road. Yeah, sure. And, you know, so now it's like, hey guys, here's where I'm at. Here's kind of what we need. So how's the podcast been going for you in terms of having conversations with people who maybe wouldn't have given you, you know, a meeting before, but since the podcast episode, sure. they went ahead and said yes. Yeah, no, definitely. I started that. Yeah. Podcast I mean, it's going on the fifth season now, one show a week that comes out. So over 250 episodes and stuff that we've recorded. And I didn't go into that initially thinking that, right. But once I started it and realized like, I was able to send a message to somebody and they're like, yeah, I'd love to be on it. I'm like, yeah, right. Wait a minute here. It's crazy, right? Like that's one of the things, obviously, you know, I'm a podcast producer and I try to get entrepreneurs to start podcasts. And that's one of the things that like, I can never quantify you know what I mean? I can't tell people like, hey, look, you're going to meet this person, this person, and this person, and it's going to take your business from this point to this point. I can't quantify any of that, but it just happens. I don't know how else to say, I don't know how else to convince people, like people like you, people like me, like the, the ones that actually go out and do it. It's just crazy when you realize 
wow, like this person definitely would not have jumped on a phone call with me, probably would not have even emailed me back. Like we would not have any sort of context on getting to know each other at all if this online radio show thing just didn't exist. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's oh, crazy yeah, for sure. Sometimes. I think you're 100% correct. I mean, it's gotten to the point, especially like when you have somebody on once, it's good. But then when you kind of have them on that second time, third time, you know, I've had guests. I think I've had like Damon John's been on three or four times. And, you know, the last time was this past February. And, you know, his team reached back out like, hey, you know, his new book's coming out. We got to get him on your show and things like that. And my buddy Todd Herman had emailed like Jay Shetty. He's like, Jay, you got to be on Josh's show. He's in my top five podcasts that I go to when I do a book launch. And it always sells some of the top number of sales for books and stuff. And that was, the quote was pretty much that. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. Kind of broke, beat it up a little bit, but it, that was it off the top of my head. But, um, yeah. you know, and so having that and knowing and creating those relationships would have never been without the podcast. Yeah. and. Exactly. And it gives you an asset to share. Yeah. Like, so when we started this, when we started this network conversation, you started talking about how you're giving value to people without expecting anything in return. Like if you have a real audience on like a good podcast or a good platform, whatever that platform is, whether it's a podcast or a stage, like that you run an event, you know, at, or it's a YouTube channel, whatever that, that platform is, like you're offering free value to people by allowing them to like jump onto your platform and share with the audience that you've worked really hard to build. You know what I mean? So it's like a perfect value add and a perfect excuse to reach out to people and start to cultivate and build those relationships and kind of dig your well before you're thirsty, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. 100%. So yeah, awesome, man. Look, there's so many directions to kind of take these conversations moving forward. But <laughs> since we are running out of time, I do want to ask you a couple quick last questions about what you've done to on purpose, put yourself in the right situations to be in the right relationships. And I know that you and I are in a mastermind together. And there's probably some other groups you've joined over the years. If you could, and feel free to say no, but if you could, share with us maybe an estimate of how much like real dollars you've put into abstractly building your network through relationships and stuff like that, like through masterminds, through coaching, through mentorship, through anything, advisory board positions, anything like that where you've actively like given away money now or future money in terms of equity, just in exchange for relationships or knowledge from other people. Yeah, that's a great question. For me, I mean, it's... Man, it's been trying to think back. Probably 2010 or 11. I kind of that's when I first started like getting in and realizing, especially when we first launched like our CrossFit and everything. I went to all the big ones at the time, like CrossFit Central, and there was one out of Chicago, one out of San Diego, and stuff in LA that I went to and picked their brain. I was like, "Hey guys, you know what are you guys doing? What's working? What's not working? You know?" And that was kind of my first direction down that. And, and then we applied all that and was able to grow it to the largest one, you know, doing uh, just almost seven figures in 18 months and stuff. And based on utilizing what we learned, you know, and then since then, even during that time, and then since then, you know, whether it was learning more about the fitness industry to, you know, learning about digital marketing to, you know, and all down the whole path, I was in Genius Networks and Brendan Burchard's and Russell Brunson's and, you know, all of these different masterminds over the years and 100mm and stuff and being able to meet the people there. So like, like we do on the podcast meetings, but then meeting, you know, 50, 20, 100 people, you know, at that point in time and creating those connections, you know, is huge. And, you know, you spend the money to learn the information in a shorter amount of time and to surround yourself with those people that 
you can help each other out. You know, if I help you and, you know, like you said, I'm the worst about asking for help on stuff. People ask, nah, I'm, I'm good. Or, you know, I can't think of anything yeah. right now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what do you, what do you need help with? Like, <laughs> you know, and kind of a thing. And, but I mean, it, it, I don't know. I mean, probably at least 500,000 or more. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's what I want to like hundreds years. of thousands. Of yeah. Years. Yeah. For sure. Right. So, right. Well, the, and that's the point that I was trying to make to people too, is like, that's the thing about investing in relationships is that you, you don't know exactly how you don't know exactly when you don't know exactly where, but you can bet on the fact that if you actually take the time to invest in other people and give freely of your knowledge and, and resources like that, obviously to a certain extent, it's always going to come back good. Like the law of reciprocity is always going to have your back. In my opinion, like the law of reciprocity will always reign true. It may not come back directly through that one relationship, but it might come back through a different thing at another time through this other opportunity that you had nothing to do with this other thing. In my opinion, man, like if you have a, if you've helped out so many people, you just have a ton of people that are conspiring for your success. You know what I mean? That just like want you to be successful. (laughs) That's only good. That's only a good thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you were top of mind for somebody that everybody's like, that Josh guy, like he's, he's a really good dude. He did not have to take that time to help me out that one time, but he did. I really, you know, hope that he's successful. And if, if they have the opportunity to be able to help you at that point, that's when you start getting these like out of the blue, like blessings and emails and stuff like that from people that you didn't even realize like, oh yeah, totally forgot that, that we talked at that event for 35 minutes that one time. You know what I mean? Right. But like for them, it was something that stuck out in their mind and they applied it to their business and it was life-changing for them. And now they can come back and offer something back. And it's just, if you can just do that without coming to the expectation that those things are going to happen, that usually always comes back on you in some form down the road. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, I mean, it's, I get messages and emails all the time just about, hey, can you be on my podcast? And you can tell they're just starting and new. And so, you know, I go back and remember, I'm like, man, those first like five or 10 people that I totally sucked with <laughs> that, I jumped, that that came on mine. Yeah. Right. Like, however, I can help you. I'm, I'm glad to come on your exactly. show and, and everything. So that's hilarious. Oh, cool, man. And before we take off here, bro, anything that you would like to leave listeners with any sort of last final message or anything like that? I think with all the craziness, everything going on right now, you know, one of the things that really that all we can control and how we, how things are is how we look at things and how, how we look at ourselves and, you know, and that filter and that we put on. And, you know, if we let all the other things that are going on around us and in our community and on social media, you know, affect us, you know, it's going to affect whether it's personally or family or business or whatever it may be you know, right now there's so much opportunity out there and people just have to be open to it. And, you know, whether maybe someone has lost their job due to the, the whole COVID thing to, you know, or their business, you know, with being shut down, you know, there's so many people that I've talked to recently that, you know, have been able to refine themselves or like, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad this happened because I was now able to go do this. I would have never had the courage to go do this before. And, you know, it's right there in front of you. And, you know, you just have to, you know, keep your eyes open to it. You have to, you know, look for that opportunity, you know, and then the last thing is just really make sure, you know, keep, you know, the people that are close to you, you know, you keep close to you and, you know, just there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel and, you know, we're all going to get through everything. So... Yes, sir. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, Josh. We're going to move into the last segment that I have here. This is the random round. Just a few quick random questions, quick random answers. Ready? Cool. Let's do it. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? 
Yo, so <laughs> I actually almost went down that profession. I was in the um, delayed entry program for the Navy and I was depth in to go into BUDS to try to make it to the SEAL teams and everything and, <laughs> and train for, should train for a few years for it and ended up right before I was supposed to ship out, blowing out my ACL and then not being able to go. And so I still kind of flow and live in that community. And so yeah. if I was something I was able to get into, that would be <laughs> the path I'd be in. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and chat for an hour, who would it be? Great question. Jesus. Good answer. <laughs> how, do you, <laughs> how do you most like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? Mm-hmm. And then tell me one of your favorites of the one you select. Sure. So I used to read a ton of print books, but more lately, it's been audiobooks, mostly because we have about a 20-minute drive to martial arts uh, most of the days of the week. And so my kids listen in. And so we just queue them up and listen at 2X and we can crush out a book every kind of week or so. And yeah. then they get the benefit of hearing it and asking questions and doing all that. So nice. Awesome. Oh, and a uh, favorite book lately. We just finished uh, Damon John's new book, Power Shift, which was had a lot of ton of amazing insights and ideas and stuff in there. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. We all get together in the morning, the kids and I, and usually they've already meditated by the time that we start doing stuff. So I try to meditate, usually always work out almost every day, make sure we're hydrated, uh, different stuff like that. Journal, uh, the kids usually journal in the morning. I'll write down kind of like where I'm at for the day, what needs to happen. Don't usually start checking like email and social, usually until about 10.30 or 11 is usually that time frame. So... What is your go-to pump-up song? I listen to some like dance, techno EDM stuff, but actually was kind of threw on some music this morning for a workout. And it was some kind of mix on uh, the Fit Radio app. And, but it was like Metallica, like kind of remixed. And I was like, oh, oh man, yeah. I haven't heard that. Metallica in a back, long time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I used to run to that or work out to that back in the day. And I was like, all right, this, this, this is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> what is something that you are just not very good at, Josh? So I'm a quick starter and get things going and push it, but I need somebody to be able to pick it up and continue to move the project forward. So my skill set drops off or my, <laughs> my passion for it drops off after that. Post idea. Yeah. Right. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> As we get everything wrapped up here, bro, what is one place online where we are going to be able to find you the most? I mean, I guess the initial kickoff point you could use is my website, just Josh, J-O-S-H, Felber, F as in Frank, E-L-B as in boy, E-R.com. And then all my social media profiles and links and podcasts, everything are all right there. Perfect. Awesome. So head over to joshfelber.com. Check out some of the stuff that Josh is putting out. If you listen to this right now, open up your podcasting app and search for Making Bank with Josh Felber, one of the other. If you go to the top charts and look in the entrepreneurship category, you're going to see my show there and you're going to see Josh's show there. And then uh, obviously you'll see a few others, but don't worry about those ones. Just go to mine and go to Josh's (laughs) and tune in. Uh, Tell him you heard about him here on Build Your Network. Josh, thanks so much for coming on the show today, brother. I had a fantastic time chatting with you. Thanks, Travis. Appreciate it, guys. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle 
Mastermind. There are already dozens of high-quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls. There's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.